ஜாஹிலூனும் வல்லதாலிஸ்கஷன் and in the cause of that discussion we branched off onto a discussion about the incident of Maulana Sayyid Abul Hasan Ali Nadwi rahimahullah that he gathered his family towards the latter part of his life and he addressed them and said to them that he is going to give them three very valuable lessons which he has extracted after having studied the lives of all the great families of the past in the annals of history and having studied this in depth and understood what became the means of their downfall what caused that legacy of their forefathers to be lost and in the light of that he imparted three points and three lessons saying to his family that if you hold on to this very firmly then you will continue to flourish and if this is not adhered to then the same danger will be lurking for you as well so the first aspect that was discussed in this regard was the lesson that he gave to them that never ever be the zalim never ever be the oppressor rather be the mazloom but never the zalim so that was the first lesson that one should always make sure he is not the zalim in the process sometimes he might end up being the mazloom because uh sometimes the situation just demands that a person can not take a chance doing anything just has to keep quiet just has to let it be that is safer that is far safer than doing something that will make one a zalim so this was the first very important lesson that he gave rather be the mazloom but don't ever be the zalim then the second aspect he said to them be very very careful about only earning halal and consuming halal refrain from every bit of haram and even refrain from doubtful wealth refrain from all haram and even refrain from doubtful wealth now as expressed explained previously the three lessons he is giving to his family and he is saying to them that if you adhere to these three things you will flourish as a family and an individual who does it that individual will flourish he will progress now we are talking about such a major outcome such a tremendously major outcome 
progress, progress in every respect, in deen, and together with that dunya also. And progress in terms of what is the reality of progress. Progress is not numbers. We always talk about the quality of life. And many people in chasing for the so-called quality of life that they have in their minds, they destroy the very quality of life. They are chasing something which is in their minds an imagined quality of life. But the reality of the quality of life is destroyed in the process because they are chasing something which they have created in their minds. But in order to achieve that, they make the dunya their objective. And when the dunya becomes the objective, then the quality of life is going to be destroyed. And a person who has deen as his objective, akhirat as his aspiration, jannat as his hope and his wish and desire, then, inshallah, he will work in a positive manner and he will know the limits and his gaze will always be towards the akhirat. He will earn the dunya in a halal manner. The dunya will be in his hands, in his pocket, in his bank account, or wherever it might be, but the dunya won't be in his heart. And he will know how to fulfill the rights of people and the rights of Allah Ta'ala. And as a result, he will truly enjoy the quality of life. And if a person has made the very dunya his objective, and then in order to now improve the so-called quality of life, then what happens? Then, for example, in a working situation, the husband is working, and then now to get a better quality of life, in big inverted commas, so now the wife also has to go to work to supplement the income so that more luxuries and comforts could be acquired and the children could be given a better quality of life. But now in the process what has to happen that that little child has to be put into commercial care, into some crash or whatever in commercial care. And by and large the child is given commercial upbringing in some crash, in some place where the primary objective of establishing the place is not to give love and affection to anybody else's child. It is primarily a business. The objective, objective is to earn something out of it. It's primarily a business. So the child that comes there or is placed there receives commercial care. And when the child who has received commercial care for a good part of his life, the very, very early years of his life, and then grew up in this manner through commercial care, then he grows up with commercial values. And he doesn't even have the full value of his parents thereafter. Illa mashallah, wallah ta'ala protects, otherwise this becomes the scene. Now, this was the so-called quality of life, where the child was deprived of the attention of the mother, of the care of the mother, the love of the mother, and then in the evening both parents come tired and they, and they don't have any energy left to give any attention to the child. And it just becomes one, 
just a chapter of dunya and people just go through the motions and in the process the real quality of life is all destroyed. The quality of life is not dependent on material things. It does not necessarily mean that a person has a lot of comforts and luxuries, he'll have a very great quality of life. And neither does it mean if a person has very simple things that he owns, he's living in a simple dwelling, he has simple things, he's eating simple food, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to be, is going to be in misery. Many such person is far in far in far greater happiness than people who have maybe a hundred times more, maybe a thousand times more than him. So happiness doesn't lie in things in itself. That happiness lies in the heart. Allah Ta'ala places it in the heart of those who are obedient to Him. Those who make Akhirat their objective. Those who fulfill the rights of Allah Ta'ala and fulfill the rights of people as well. And they are blessed with the true quality of life. And they truly enjoy their lives. Dunya is dunya. Challenges come to everybody. There's nobody that is free of some challenge or the other. But despite all these challenges, these people are filled with happiness. Their hearts are brimming. One very great pious personality. This is something common to all the Ahlullah. But something that was heard first hand. Hadi Farooq Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi very great pious personality of our recent past, one of the senior most khulafa of Hazrat Muhammad Khan Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi. So when he had come down to Durban on one of his trips to South Africa, so I remember having heard first hand from him, somebody had been asking him about his health, he was sitting and some people were around and somebody had been asking him about his health, he was a heart patient, many a times when going to some masjids where there were some steps to climb. He would climb a few steps and then stop and take a tablet, a TNT tablet, in order to just give back this, uh, whatever, because of the pain that would now start coming, that was the extent of his heart condition. So he was quite a serious heart patient. So in any case, somebody was asking him about his health and so on, among the people that were seated there, and he began, because now he was asked to, he mentioned certain things, this is the condition of his heart, and sometimes he has to take this tablet. He was not able to climb more than a few steps steps without this taking an impact on his heart. Can we imagine now, somebody climbs four or five steps and that's too much now. So what was the condition of the heart? But as he discussed a few things, one line he said which still sticks in my mind, and he said, Khushi ke moje hai. In the course of this, now he probably realized that people are listening to this and maybe getting very, very worried and concerned about uh, him or whatever might have passed through his mind at that time. But the one line he said there, he said, Alhamdulillah, khushi ke moje hai. He says, the heart is whatever it is physically. This heart is in uh, a situation where climbing a few steps creates such a strain on this heart physically. He said, Alhamdulillah, there are waves of happiness going through this heart. 
there are waves of happiness passing through this heart. Now somebody who's got such a severe heart condition, somebody who can barely walk a few steps and he's in, uh, straining that heart and he has to take a tablet and so many physical challenges, illnesses, whatever else. But, says, khushi ke moje hai. These words I heard directly, therefore this is ringing in my mind. He said, there's waves of happiness. Now these waves of happiness don't come from things. If that happiness is in the heart, if the heart is tranquil and peaceful, then a person will enjoy the things around him also. If the heart is tranquil and peaceful, he'll enjoy the food also. If the heart is tranquil and peaceful, then he'll enjoy the comfortable bed. If that heart is peaceful and tranquil, then that air-conditioned room will also be a source of comfort for him. So the things also will be a source of comfort and blessing to him in a way. It will be a source of uh, comfort and uh, peace and happiness in a way, provided there's already that comfort and peace and tranquility in the heart. So now he'll enjoy these external things. These are all bounties of Allah Ta'ala. These are all ni'mads. The food that a person eats, Allah Ta'ala blessed him with better food. That's a great ni'mad of Allah Ta'ala. He should be very, very grateful for that. Don't regard it as his achievement in any way or that he deserved it. Surely Allah Ta'ala's ni'mad. Allah Ta'ala's grace and fuzzle. And at that time, we should be thinking elsewhere, thinking elsewhere, thinking elsewhere also. Thinking about maybe just that one brief thought as well. One brief thought that there are so many people that don't have even a fraction of this. That will inshallah make us more conscious of the ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala. So the Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha, on one occasion after the passing on of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa she was presented with some food and she then said that whenever I am, I eat to my satisfaction and I just suddenly feel like crying, actually I just burst out crying then. First the tears start welling up, but then I can't hold it. I just, I just end up crying. So now she's eating to her satisfaction. So why is she crying? She says, my mind goes to the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that even barley bread, which is very coarse, which is the lower quality of bread, wheat bread, etc. is a more finer quality. Barley bread is very coarse, so which is the lower quality. That I think about the time when Rasulullah was alive in dunya, then he would not even have enough barley bread for two days consecutively. To eat enough barley bread. He didn't have enough barley bread to fill his stomach with. In other words, nothing beyond that. Let alone anything beyond that. Not even barley bread. So now she was being blessed with this ni'mad. She was grateful for it. But at the same time she was looking at that hal, at that condition of Rasulullah which he left this dunya on, that up to the end this was his halat. So we should also spare thoughts. This will make us grateful for what we have, save us some wastage, some wastage, some wastage, and also open our hearts out towards others also, who are in that desperation, in that suffering, and make us feel some sympathy for them, or increase the sympathy for them. So in any case, 
these ni'mats and bounties, these are all Allah Ta'ala's gifts from Allah Ta'ala's side. So we should be grateful for it. So there's no harm in enjoying those ni'mats and bounties. But that ni'mat and bounty will only be enjoyed when inside the heart there is happiness. That happiness, that's the quality of life. And the heart is happy. And if the person is in a simple dwelling, person is eating simple food, the person has very meager things around, but the person is happy, he's content, he's peaceful within himself, his heart is connected to Allah wa ta'ala. We cannot imagine the quality of life that he is enjoying. We cannot imagine it. And if a person has every comfort and luxury of the world, but if his heart is in turmoil, and the happiness has been snatched out of that heart, and all the external things are just, they are just things, they are just objects. They can't give any kind of peace and happiness to a heart that is in turmoil. So, this is that quality of life that we have to aspire for, aspire for, the quality of gaining the connection with Allah Taala and gaining the tranquility, the peace from Allah Taala side, this is then the true quality of life. So, coming back to what we were talking about, the incident of Sayyidina, of Mawla Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali, Nadwi Rahmatullahi So, we were talking about this aspect, that he is giving his family three lessons, that as a family you will flourish, individual does it, he'll flourish, now, outwardly, we can't see the link to these things. That these aspects, not being a zalim, and these kind of things, not ever indulging in haram, consumption, always earning halal only, staying away from every bit of haram, and staying away from what is doubtful also. Now, where does this link up to this flourishing as a family, and flourishing as an individual, where is all the link between these things? We can't see the link. But everything is not in rands and cents. Everything doesn't work in terms of rands and cents and pounds and dollars. There is an unseen system of Allah Taala, And in that unseen system, indulging in zulm will destroy the quality of life. In that unseen system, there's the links, all the links, unseen system in the sense there's those unseen links between zulm and destruction. There's that unseen link between consumption of haram and destruction of every good. Is that link. Now he's gone to the core aspects. Because a person either in his interactions, he oversteps the mark and brings about destruction to himself, to his family, others. He either consumes haram and he destroys himself, his family, others, because now he's consuming the haram, he's earning it and bringing it home. And once that haram starts settling in the heart, because it goes into the stomach, and then it finally starts getting digested, and then it is converted in, eventually to blood, and that blood then nourishes the whole body. And that blood which was now from, which was achieved from haram's sustenance, that blood that was processed out of haram sustenance, that blood is now going to nourish the whole body. 
So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself has said, Ayyuma lahmin nabata min suhtin fannaru awlabih. That whatever flesh is nourished by haram, then the fire of Jahannam is more worthy of it. Now the fire of Jahannam is more worthy of it. This flesh has become worthy of fire. So now one is the akhirat. But even in dunya already, that effects of that fire start taking place. It burns up the desire for good. Because now it's gone into the heart. And the heart now is nourished by this haram. So this haram creates haram thoughts, haram feelings, haram urges, creates all kinds of haram inclinations, and it pushes the person towards haram, and it kills the, the energy for halal, the energy for righteousness. There is a zeal, there is an enthusiasm, it gets killed. And if the person doesn't have that zeal, but he's still managing to push himself, mashallah, the mujahada is making excellence. But it kills that himmat and courage for any mujahada also. He is just without any courage. And he just can't seem to make any headway. Not necessarily that any time some person experiences this, it's only because of haram food or some haram income. But often this is the case. Sometimes it can have some other reason as well. But often this is the case. That it totally kills that drive for righteousness and it pushes a person in a different direction. Now this was what he was referring to. That don't ever touch anything haram. Don't go close to it. Let alone haram. Don't even go close to doubtful wealth. Outwardly it might seem very, very tempting and sometimes very lucrative, that this is now, just ready here, I can just turn it so quickly, but this is haram here now, we'll sort it out later, no worry. I have to just do this one little bit upside down here, some deception here, and I'll make so much more. That so much more is fannaru awlabih, it is fire. So now when fire comes into the system, then fire burns. Fire starts burning. Then it becomes a very, very difficult situation. So rather a person have less, rather have a little less, but be content with what is totally halal. That will have so much of barakat, inshallah it will take a person far ahead and he'll get much more out of it than compared to 10 times the amount which was in haram. 100 times the amount also but in a haram manner. So the thing to aspire for is this barakat, not the numbers. The numbers, if there's barakat in it, very good. But if that number is devoid of barakat, the numbers are big, but it's devoid of barakat, then it will bring bigger problems. So this is the aspect to now focus towards. That we want this quality of life. So where is this quality of life going to come from? Hazrat Mawla Abu Hassan Ali Nabi Rahimahullah, he also, like any other person, he had this concern for his family. He wanted the best for them. And this is a natural human feeling that a person is more deeply affected by issues concerning his own family compared to somebody he probably knows very, very distantly, or somebody, somebody he has heard about. It's human nature that you feel more intensely for those who are closest to you. So now, so now he had this natural love 
and feeling for his family, so he gathered them. And he's addressing them, specifically giving them some nasihat. And what is he saying to them? That don't ever touch even doubtful wealth. So in other words, you'll have to do with lesser sometimes. So now is he being uh, a means of the of stopping the progress of his family? No, he knew what's good for them. In the light of the Quran and Sunnah, and in the light of all that he had studied, he knew what's good for them. What is going to make them progress? So he's saying to them, don't ever touch haram, let, let alone haram, don't even touch doubtful wealth. Because this is the root to everything. This is the root. And the temptations will grow. Many a times people discuss this, they say when they decided to shun anything that has any doubt in it, it started coming with greater speed, meaning such occasions, such offers, such deals, such transactions, started coming with greater speed, meaning one after the other, where there was much more profit to be gained, much more money to be made, but there was some problem in it. It was clear cut, there's some haram involved in it, or there's some, if the matter is not clear. When they decided and made a firm decision that I am not going to touch anything, these things started rolling in front of them. Now this is the test that comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala. Like in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, that Allah Ta'ala will test you, لِيَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ So that Allah Ta'ala makes it apparent who fears Allah Ta'ala when he is uh, alone, nobody is there to see what's going on, and who fears Allah Ta'ala? Who is truly the servant of Allah Ta'ala? So these situations will come up, but a person has to remain firm, steadfast. One is now haram income, haram earnings, together with that haram food. Alhamdulillah, generally even the person with a weak iman too is conscious that I must not eat haram. person with a weak iman also has that much of understanding and that much of concern. I must not eat haram. But our taste buds sometimes get the better of us and people become so careless about where they eat from in this culture that has developed eating out culture in this times, in this era that we are living in, currently in this lockdown situation, that too got locked out. But otherwise, even the month of Ramadan, that doesn't get left out. In previous years, people used to talk about that they accuse outside some uh, establishments for sehri, that people are eating out for sehri. People are eating out for iftar. It's a fun and exciting atmosphere and a party atmosphere. Is this what the month of Ramadan is for? To be partying, eating out? Find a person wanted to buy something from somewhere which is a uh, place that is above board and he bought it and brought it home for his family to eat. Well and good. Once in a while, not to make a habit of this, but parting out in the month of Ramadan in this manner and then even Sahiri now, that culture starts setting in. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. These are the things. This is the wholesale disregard for the month of Ramadan. Once while traveling in Pakistan, it was the month of Ramadan, big banners advertising, iftar dinner. Iftar dinner, this is the price of it and so on. So somebody who was traveling in the car, so I asked him about it. He says, no, it's a very big thing, very common thing. And people give out invitations to their family, friends, here, there. 
So every other day somebody's got an invitation. So today this person will invite 50 people and the next day that person will invite 50 people. He'll also be included in there. So in that upper class, almost every other day, every other person is now somewhere in some invitation or the other. And we're in one of these outlets. So restaurants, everything in top style. And then I asked him, what he said, no, they all gather there from about maybe half an hour, 45 minutes before Maghrib. And then obviously now, all have gathered now, is a, it's a party atmosphere. And then all be in that same party mood. And then suddenly the announcement will go, the azan will start. So then everybody will start making iftar. And then they'll eat through that. So there was no dua or any kind of atmosphere of Ramadan before that iftar. There was no Maghrib Salah for most or many if all. And even it goes past sometimes into Isha time. So the Isha and Tarawi, it's just a party. Just a party. This is the wholesale and gross disrespect of the month of Ramadan. And great lack of concern and uh, respect. The, the appreciation for the month of Ramadan is completely gone. So if that doesn't draw down the wrath of Allah, Ta'ala, then what, what else will expect? So, this is the way to move forward, that we need to become conscious of where we eat, not just buy anything from anywhere and everywhere, be very careful. Many, many things have been heard over time of what, what goes on. The safe rule is to rather not even buy just here, there and everywhere. Any place where a person is very confident about the person, that that person is a dini conscious person. That is the primary thing. Currently, he's a dini conscious person and he's somebody that is uh, adhering to his deen. To buy from him is safe. Other than that, we pass no judgment, we be on the safe side. But We pass no judgment on anyone, but we be on the safe side. So many times there are incidents that are brought to light. So, the safe thing is that the person who is visibly upright in his deen, who is conscious of his deen, he appears to be a deeny conscious person, to that extent we are responsible, so it's a Muslim, and he's upright and conscious of his deen as far as we are, we can see, then that should be safe. And apart from that, we rather just, just avoid it, rather be on the safe side, without passing judgment on anybody, just for the safety of ourselves, without passing judgment on anyone, but everybody plays safe. Now, people are all playing so safe, they don't want to shake hands with their own parents and children, whatever, because now I don't know who came with what. Everybody's playing so safe. Why? Because one virus mustn't catch us. So, not to say that we should not take precautions, but sometimes those precautions also gone to an extreme level. But be that as it may, the point is that for our physical health, we are very concerned about being super cautious. So why not apply caution for the sake of our spiritual health? Why there suddenly everything is very, very lax? Everything is very, very lax and casual. And there suddenly it comes, no, you mustn't be too serious. You mustn't go overboard. When it comes to our spiritual side, then we mustn't go overboard. But when it comes to our physical side, then even the person living in our own household with us, but now we can't shake hands with him because now we don't know what's going on. Now, that that caution is fine, but caution for the sake of our deen, for the sake of our iman, for the sake of our spiritual health, that caution is overboard. Now, this is a complete imbalance. We need to bring the balance 
way we bring the caution in our deen up also. The caution in our deen is of prior importance. That needs to be greater, far greater than the caution for our physical self. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allah ta'ala grant us the ability to be very conscious about what we eat and our income as well. Allah ta'ala save us from every drop and grain of haram and even doubtful wealth. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama Tasliman kathiran kathiran Ya Rabbi salli wa sallim daiman abada Ala habibika khayril khalqi kullihimi Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. La ilaha illallah, 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 la
صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم الله الله جل جلاله عم نوانه وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها 
اللهم اهدنا لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت واصرف عنا سيئها لا يصرف عنا سيئها إلا أنت اللهم اغفر لأمتي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدي أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اجعلنا هداة مهتدين غير ضالين ولا مضلين اللهم انا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم اللهم إنا نسلك العفو والعافية اللهم إنا نسلك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم عافنا ونجنا من كل بلاء الدنيا وعذاب القبر وعذاب الآخرة ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله